to the Wild Feather Podcast. I'm Brooke Dunwell, serial entrepreneur, sponge for life, and lover of people. Join me as we uncover the stories of courageous female entrepreneurs, founders, and investors pushing beyond limitless boundaries. Let's explore their creative journeys and pursuits to greatness. Ishveen has always been a trailblazer in the sports marketing industry, from being a sports agent to now building the world's largest marketplace connecting brands to athletes for digital marketing campaigns. She is brilliant and she is fearless. Let's listen to her journey. Thank you, Ishveen, for joining us today on the podcast. We're very excited to have you, and I can't wait for you to share your story with everyone. Thanks for having me, Brooke. Yeah, exciting. So we're just going to dive right in. So I love what you're doing, and you've got great momentum, and you kind of just, I think, kind of fell into this being a founder. But tell us how you became a founder and um, how you started on this journey at Open Sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so I was a sports agent um, and I became that because I followed my passion into sports. I played you know, sports all my life growing up. Became what sports did you play? Netball and cricket predominantly, but wow. I'm, I'm the kind I of girl. You girl cricket? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, fairly big, but, you know. Yeah. What's I'm netball? Netball is, I used to call it women's basketball, but then there is women's basketball, so that's incorrect. Um, it's like if basketball met ultimate frisbee. So you can't move with the ball. You can't. So everyone else has to create space around you. In fact, so yeah, it's quite interesting. So everyone else moves, but it's played on a basketball court with essentially basketball hoops. Um, so yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'd never heard of that before. Okay, go ahead. No, no, that's cool. So basically followed my passion for sports um, into becoming a sports agent. And then kind of fast forward a few years, fell in love with sponsorship as a form of marketing, but I always thought deal making was very tough. And one day I was like, why is it not an Airbnb for our industry? Just somewhere that you can like go on and buy and sell rights and get shit done. And um, I very naively went, oh, I could do that. Let me, let me try and create it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so were you a sports agent in the UK or in the States? Actually, neither. I was. Um, I moved to India because oh. when I, I transitioned from being a management consultant into sports and obviously disappointed my doctor, pa doctor parents and shocked all my friends, I was like, well, if I'm going to do one crazy thing, why not do two? So I moved to India to enter the sports world. Ah, okay. So... Is it popular to be a female sports agent? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, not at all. I mean, is it, you know, trying to be taken seriously as a female anyway in the workplace and stuff, and then within the sports vertical? I remember my first ever meeting um, with my boss and the, the, whoever it was, the client or whoever was presenting something to him, and they literally just turned the laptop like, completely just facing him, like didn't even acknowledge me in the room. Um, and then my boss actually had to step out for a call. And so then obviously this guy had to speak to me. And at that point, I think he heard my accent. And he was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, I just moved here like a few days ago. And then he was like, oh, tell me about your background or whatever. And then he found out I, um, I had studied at Oxford and suddenly 
like the whole thing. He like turned his laptop. He started speaking to me about work. And that was the first time I was like, oh, this validation thing is real. Like, you you know, you've got to like state why you're in the room um, so that people take you seriously, which is a bit sad because obviously a lot of men don't have to do that. But yeah. you know, there you are. That's fascinating to me. Hmm. Okay, so how long ago did you start um, open sponsorship and where are you at today? So we started, well, incorporated, conceived the idea like late 2014, launched the platform 2015. So it's been like six years, which is a long time, but it still feels very new and fresh, I suppose. Um, where we're at today, today it's fun. We're the largest out there. So we have a network of around 20,000 brands. We have about 12,000 athletes. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, we've done deals for, we just closed something with Joe Montana. We've just did something with Fulham Football Club, um, Chris Bryant, like some of the biggest names in the industry. But then we also work with some of the smallest guys as well, Olympians, lacrosse players and whatever else. Um, on the brand side, we work with like the likes of Walmart and Stitch Fix and Foot Locker. So it's been a pretty epic journey. So is it like a technology platform and they can just go on and pick and choose? Like it's like a catalog of athletes yeah so we basically have like broken down the whole sponsorship process into like four areas so the first is the match kind of what you're saying so that's very similar to recruitment sites so brands can go athletes will sign up themselves or through their agents so we work with all the major sports agencies in the world um and they'll sign up themselves or they're through their agent they'll have a profile then brands will go in and they can like filter through and say like show me female athletes who have eight percent engagement rate and pets or kids or people with diabetes or whatever it may be and then or they'll put up a job posting what we call a campaign so looking for athletes with kids for this purpose or whatever then we also manage all the contracts the payments negotiation then we manage the deal management a bit like a fiverr workflow or like mm-hmm. a Mm-hmm. Elas workflow, and then we look at ROI tracking. So all of it is done within the platform. Wow, and it gives metrics too. Like yeah, that. yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. Okay, so when I was speaking with you before, it sounded like you were in when you started. It was more of a nonchalantly like approach, and you were kind of piecemealing, just kind of going along. So one of the things you mentioned was hustling at the right time. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs probably could relate to that. So can you shed some light on exactly what that means and would you do things different or would you not, or what, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, it's easy to look back and go, Oh, I should have, deployed capital faster I should have hired faster but you know would that have like killed you or would you have actually have grown or whatever else would you run out of money before you even tried but you know of course like I look back and I think oh I wish we'd gone a bit faster um I wish maybe that I had you know it's almost interesting because the whole DNA of being an entrepreneur is like hey I'm just going to go with my gut I'm going to go with the flow if I feel like it I'm going to do it and whatever else but actually you almost need to switch that part of your brain off and go, okay, no, we're going to be super like goal driven. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, you know, we're going to hit these numbers by the end of the year. But the thing is also like life throws a lot of curveballs at you, like COVID or whatever else. And so, 
you know, being able to adapt with them, but stick to a plan is just like one of the hardest things. Um, and so I'd say I'm glad, you know, we're obviously, you know, touch wood successful and doing very well. Um, and I'm glad for where we are. I, I, I do wish we could have gone faster, but it's interesting to know what, what would we have given up for that? Like, would we have just hired quicker, hired senior quicker? Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what we would have changed. Right, right, right. Or maybe nothing needed to change. Maybe that was just the journey you needed to take. Very right. wise. Maybe, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, I mean, we all feel it, right, where it's like, uh, yeah, the grass is always greener and you're always looking at like, you know, for me, I look at friends in corporate who are getting promoted and it's like, oh shit, I'm doing the same thing. But I'm sure they look at me and go, she's so free and like her team is growing and she gets so much recognition. So I think you're, you're always, it's always hard to know where you are. Right. Right. So what are your goals? Mm-hmm. Um, see, back to that point. Um, I would say to keep growing open sponsorship as fast, but as in, in such a, in a sustainable way as we can. Um, I, we're very mission focused. So we're, we're doing what we said we were going to do, right? Um, we're taking some of the biggest names in the industry and we're doing sponsorship deals for them in a way that no one else has before. Um, I want to extend it to teams. I want to extend it to other verticals. So international is really important for me. So I think like, can we just keep ticking off the things that we want to do? And at some point we'll either, you know, be acquired or go public or whatever will happen, will happen. Um, but I try more and think about like, okay, what do I need to do tomorrow, the next three months to keep, to keep going? Right. Now, how many people are on your team now? Uh, about 15. That's great. That sounds like a lot of sponsorships or a lot of... Um... Uh, you have a lot of a, attraction or uh, a lot going on for 15 people. <laughs> yeah, we've always operated quite lean. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, like we're only ramping up now because A, we have to like get to the next milestone and whatever else. So we're really investing in like sales and marketing hires. Um, I've enjoyed being lean because then you solve, you solve problems with product which is just so fulfilling to me. Like I just, I love technology. I love product solutions. I love smart, scalable solutions. And I think when you throw people at the problem, you you almost like don't need to challenge yourself to think, well, how can I do this smarter? And we've gone the other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So what would you say some, like what's a big obstacle or it doesn't even have to be big, what would you say some obstacles have been or an obstacle has been along your way that maybe other founders have experienced or could relate to and how did you overcome it? Or maybe they haven't, I don't know. I'm certain people have, but. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, but um, I'd say the number one for me, I think is hiring. Um, it's, you know, we, I did not, grow up in the American school system. I also like built from the outside. I think a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes do build from the outside. Um, and so it wasn't like I just like was born with this network of people to hire in the US. I think that's really <laughs> difficult. And then when you disrupt, it's quite difficult because you're like, do I bring in people from the industry or are they just gonna wanna do the same thing? So then do you build, bring in people not from the industry, which is what I did, 
Um, but then it's quite hard to get validation. So I feel, and then there's a big question around junior, senior. Only this morning over breakfast, I was talking about salaries in New York are so crazy high. Um, it's quite scary for an entrepreneur to be paying someone, you know, 200, 250, 250,000. So then you kind of default junior, um, but that comes with a lot of handholding. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'd say, I just think hiring is just like one of those things. It's like, it, it's not, I was going to say necessary evil, but it's not. It's an tricky. Evil. It's tricky, right? And obviously great team members are awesome, but, you know, you also culturally, it's, and the thing with, as a founder hiring is like, you have to hire for every position. So, you know, if you're hiring, um, we're currently hiring a partnerships person, an account manager, account executives. Uh, we just hired a creative director. These are not, I've not done all of these jobs. I mean, obviously I've kind of done a little bit of them all, but like, what does good look like? You know, usually when you hire in corporate, you hire for your team. So you've basically done that job. You know what good looks like. But when you're a founder, you're like, okay, I'm now going to go out and hire this position that I don't even know how that happened, like how that works. So it's just, um, I think hiring is really tough, um, constant battle. I think the way around it for me has been to find when you do bring in senior great let them just don't don't kind of micromanage that so you know my technical co-founder is the one hiring engineers i don't even need to speak to them my sales manager now hires junior aes and i i don't particularly need to speak to them um so it's just a case of like how do you how do you find the right people who can take that on just so that you don't have to take on that pressure all yourself right right yeah it is tricky i think it feels trickier hiring for startups because they make such an impact um i did a study a couple of years ago and one bad hire can cost a company up to eight hundred thousand dollars depending on what phase you're in right so it can take a comp a startup down right like it's crucial it's crucial So one thing that you said that I thought was great and it just reminds me of like in um, restaurants, they say you're only as good as your last meal. You said you still need more. There's still more to do after each big win. So talk to us about that. And I guess it's, the reality is you can't stop the momentum just because you have a moment of celebration. <laughs> yeah, it's quite the opposite. It like kickstarts it into a new gear almost. Um, yeah, I was. I remember like I I was in San Francisco when we did our first raise, and um, I was living with one of my best friends. And I said, once I raise a million dollars, we're going to go to Vegas. And she was like, Yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. Obviously, we never went to Vegas. And then you're like once we do this, we're going to do this and never happens. And I think that happens to so many people. And, um, the problem is like, once you do X, then you're like, shit, now I have to go do Y, Z, one, two, three, four, five, six, like literally never, never stops. I mean, that's why I found a burnout is real, right? Because you literally like never stop. I think, um, it is important to celebrate the wins. Um, the problem is now like celebrating the wins could be like a zoom meeting where you all like give, virtual high fives and claps and then you get back on with your day which is not great either um so i don't know when it stops but you know 
I, th I think we do a decent enough job, but obviously we could do better. Yeah. yeah. Um, we can, by the way, we can, um, the positions that you're hiring, we can make that information available on our social media so we can get the word out for you if you'd like. Do you know where you want those people at? Like, I know you mentioned New York, but are you focusing on the New York area or is it throughout the U.S.? Yeah. The interesting thing is that, like, we have a we favor New York. But having said that, like, I think the beauty of being remote is you can find the best talent wherever they are. And so, yeah, I was literally talking to one of my team the other day and I was like, if there was like a five, maybe even like a 10% delta in quality, I may pick New York just so that we're closer but oftentimes it's not, it's, it's bigger than that. And then also in terms of like compensation. So the value you get, the quality you get, the value you get. So it's quite hard to go from, you know, we were fully New York until pandemic hit. And then we basically obviously have been fully remote and we were hiring remote. Now I keep thinking about going back to like one place, but then you meet great candidates and you're like, what? do I really need to do that? And then, you know, the other problem is, it's like when you speak to people, even in New York, they're like, we could go to the office one or two days a week. And it's like, really, I'm going to not hire the best talent so that maybe we could meet up one, one or two days, maybe. Um, so long, long winded way of saying, we're looking for the best talent wherever they may be. Um, we do, the one thing I did notice was like, West Coast timings are tough. Like, it I think is. it's less about location. And like, we had a great team member who was in Hawaii and she was like, oh, it's fine. I can do this. And then obviously the other thing is this, this COVID life and then this post-COVID life. Post-COVID life means going out in the evenings, means socializing a bit more. So I think, I think it was all very, it was very easy for us all to have no sense of time zone during COVID because nothing was happening. But as the world opens up, like we just had a couple of team members, um, you know, sadly leave because they were like, we want to be back in an office. Like we don't want to be stuck at home with our kids or whatever else. And so it, it, it occurred to me that like this post COVID world, you have to, again, people are shifting priorities back. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, quite interesting. Right. It is interesting. So what is your motivation? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, Life motivation would probably be to create some sort of change. Um, my mother's father, um, you know, they went through partition from Pakistan to India and set up, started from scratch and like basically built himself into like one of the premier um, people in, in his state, um, Madhya Pradesh in the capital city there, Bhopal. And, and concurrently he was like, running this amazing transportation company. He was president of our temple, the Sikh temple, Gurdwara, but he was also owned a hotel that had like the city's first lap dancing club, um, go figure. And so I feel like I've always looked at that and gone, that's kind of what I want to be like, build something amazing, have fun doing it, be diverse, have many levels, um, inspire others, be known. Um, so, yeah, I'd say all of that is like on a macro level of what drives me. And with open sponsorship, I would say, you know, the converse side about hiring is like, you answer to your team. Like, you know, there are people who 
whose day job is to see out a little bit of our, my vision and obviously their vision as well, right? But I think there's something amazing about we, we have a, I have a responsibility to my team, to our clients, to our athletes, everyone that uses us to just make, make the company great. Mm-hmm. I love that. And go grandfather. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was great. <laughs> that's super cool. So what advice would you give others that are starting, um, a company or maybe have started and they're just getting launched, um, say they're in their first couple of years, do you have any advice that you would give them? Yeah. Um, so the people who are thinking about it, I would say, be ready. It's a journey. It takes time. Um, you know, make sure you're really passionate about the mission. Um, I always say like, you know, that, that kind of, uh, there's that phrase, like, it's like banging your head against a brick wall. But with an entrepreneur, it's like banging your head against a brick wall that you have to get through. Mm. Like, you can't just stop and turn around. Like, you you got to get through. Um, so I'd say, you, you know, make sure you're resilient, you're up for it. The opportunity cost is high. Like, there are obviously highs, but there are lows. So be ready for that. Um, and for the people who've just started, um, kind of back to what I was saying, like, try and balance that like want to be flexible and ability to pivot and listen to feedback and customers and, and change with this is where I want to be year one, year two, year three, year four. Like I said, I, I think I didn't do that enough um, at the beginning. And, you know, the other thing I'd say is like understand what you don't enjoy doing and, and make sure that you start hiring for those positions pretty quick. So that, like I said, again, planning and all of that stuff um should i have got an operations person sooner to hold me more accountable potentially so i think just like really understand like what is missing in the business that you just we we should all be doing what we enjoy in the workplace and especially as a founder if you don't enjoy something figure out how to outsource it um yeah i just had this conversation with this um lady who does coaching and she said that she helps people find their strengths so then they can maximize on their strengths and then as a founder outsource or get consulting and I think a lot of people don't know their strengths I think you quickly learn them as you become an entrepreneur on that journey right if you've never even thought about it you quickly learn what you like and don't like and what you're good at and what you're not but I think that's wise advice I also feel like founders think that they have to hire like everyone and in the beginning you can contract some of that out you don't have to pull on someone full-time right I don't know why there's always a pressure to hire did you feel that 100% like I think um yeah a tough thing about being in the space is you're judged by like how big is your team how much money have you raised you know, um, yeah. I'd say those are probably the, how long have you been around? And so how many what customers happens, do you have? Yeah, exactly. So what happens is I suddenly you're like, oh, success is having a big team. Um, and that's quite difficult because is it really like having a big team or is it about being successful? And so mm-hmm. is raising money like the absolute bar or is it being profitable or whatever it may be, right? Um, is doing things within two years really successful? Or is it okay? Like, 
you know, and, and there's always someone who says the opposite side where, you know, they're like, if you've been in business for like 10 years, like you've basically made it like to even be able to do that, which is like the opposite of, of this. Or, you know, if you are able to, I think WhatsApp or Instagram or one of these was bought when it, they were like eight people big and they were bought for like a few billion dollars. So, you know, there's always like the story of the other side, but that doesn't really happen. And so I think there's like this tendency to go, okay, now I need full-time employees so that I can say I have full-time employees. But yeah. you're absolutely right, which is, especially on some of the stuff that naturally a lot of founders, you know, I studied economics at university, but I don't enjoy doing accounting at the end of the month, right? Like that yeah. kind of kills my like, you know, creative flair or whatever else. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, get a bookkeeper for $80 an hour to, to get that shit done for you, but don't ignore it either, so. Right. Yeah, for sure. So how can we help you? Like, I think what you do is really cool. It's very intriguing to me. Well, quick question before I ask you that, before I ask you how we can help you. How primarily have you gotten the word out to all of these athletes and all of the brands? Are you doing that yourself? So on the athlete side, it's pretty organic now so once we got to like a thousand like rights holders as we call them athletes teams events we like didn't really concentrate on that side so it's just such a like everyone who sells sponsorship even if they work at the nba or the nfl finds it difficult obviously the, their price points are a lot higher but like selling sponsorship is tough and then you know if you're a leader in the sponsorship space you have to hire someone for a very expensive salary you don't know if it's going to work out Deals can take six months to a year, so it's very high risk. So basically, on the supply side, it's very it's a very compelling offering that we have. Like, go on to open sponsorship, list your property, list your athlete, list yourself, and we charge a commission if the deal gets done. Great. And then on the other side, the brand, that's really where we spend most of our time thinking about. Um, obviously, because if you have people spending, then, you know, again, you have more supply. So, you know, we do a lot of Facebook advertising, we do, we have an inside sales team, we're sending out emails and whatever else. So um, honestly, like if there's one place that we are always thinking about is like, how do we, how do we reduce our cost of acquisition for brands? How do we make them more successful when they come onto our platform? How do we shorten our life cycle for our sales cycle, increase our LTV? So that's a lot of what we think about. Hmm. So it's no different than any other, I just would think that brands would be soaking this up it seems like it would take some of the chasing work out of it I don't know yeah no absolutely I mean listen like for a company our size to have to say that we have Walmart as a client is like huge obviously um so I think the the value prop is very clear and compelling it's just a case of you know how do we scale that even faster right like once you get Walmart, how do you get Target? How do you get, you know, um, Amazon, Whole Foods and everyone else? And like, that is sometimes a difficulty in the sales side, which is like, it's not as scalable as repeatable as you want it to be. Obviously, Facebook, we, we're killing it. We're doing really, really well. Great CPAs. But again, like then they come in and it's like, do you drop them into a sales funnel or a product marketing funnel? So it's just a lot to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how can we help you? We want to support you. What is your biggest need? <laughs> um, I'd say twofold. Like one is obviously we, we touched upon it. Like good people, 
right? We'd love for great people to to apply to work with us. And then I'd say the second is brands. Um, You know, 50% of the people who've worked with us have never done sports before. We love working with female brands. We love working with like um, local businesses, D2C companies, basically anyone who is looking at an interesting marketing channel. Like sports is so important to the whole world. It's like such a unifier. We saw that with the Olympics. We'll see it with NFL season, whatever else. So, you know, anyone who has marketing dollars, we want to speak to you and let, let us find the fit with sports. You don't worry about it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter like the cost level. Because when I think of this, I think of the very large brands that have a very large budget, right? So there are opportunities for smaller companies? Oh, yeah. I mean, 20% of our deals are just product only. Literally, like, I'm going to gift you product in exchange for a testimonial or a social media shout out. Um, about And now with college athletes, gosh, the average deal size there is like a couple of hundred dollars, $100, $200. $100. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I've got some peeps yeah. I can introduce you to. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, you know, the beauty of a marketplace is the fact that like we have the biggest athletes if you have a six figure budget, but we also have athletes who, as I said, like product only a hundred dollars. Um, honestly, for the cost of a stock image, why wouldn't you get an athlete who can produce content and, has a story fine their following may not you know probably be less than like thirty thousand followers but they're either an olympian or they were like a college athlete or they have a story which is compelling yeah i love it oh my gosh okay so i've got some intros to make for you girl and for the hiring okay so rattle off that list of people that you need you need account manager director of partnerships you said yeah, so director of partnerships, account manager, um, AEs, so sales. Um, we will soon hire a, a product manager. Um, I think those are our top four. And then interns we're always looking for. The main interns. thing for us when it comes to hiring is like, obviously an interest in marketing and digital marketing is a must. Um, sports is a nice to have, but like if you're a sports fanatic, but you don't have any other skill, like that doesn't really work out. But like, really, like we want someone who is interested in marketing, has experience if it's selling or managing or you know building marketing products. And then on top of that is like deep within whichever skill set. So partnerships, it would be more about your network and your personality and your extrovertness. With product manager, it's experience working with data and asking the right questions. Account management, it's literally relationship building, organization upselling and then a is obviously like the whole yeah. cycle is your product experience um customer experience user experience or what is it focused around um say again the product manager position right. for the experience is it user yeah. experience or customer experience focused which one i would say it's um the number one thing that i think for product managers is the ability to ask the right questions from the user. Um, I read this amazing article once and it was about, um, it was like a story and it, it talked about how like, if you ask the wrong question, you will get the wrong answer. And you can like go down a whole rabbit hole and realize that your first question was just, you know, there's such a big difference between like, what did you enjoy using open sponsorship? I'm already, I'm already leading you down the 
tell me what you enjoyed and implying that you enjoyed something versus like, how did you use us? Right? Mm -hmm. Like those two things will give you two different answers, could give you two different answers and will therefore like unlock very different things. And the right question is so important because you are the voice of the customer. So, Right. right. Okay. And the partnerships, what kind of partnerships? Mm, so for us, it's a lot about, um, it's interesting because so basically it's both sides. So when we think about partnerships where, you know, we're talking to some people who have a lot of brand access, so like traditional agencies or like people who sell college rights. And so it's, but the thing is like a lot of times people think about network, but I would say I, I don't think network is as important as like knowledge and validation. I think with partnerships, um, you're basically a proxy for like me having that conversation, right? And so that means one, you have to be able to validate yourself in that room because otherwise they're going to be like, well, why would I want to partner with Open Sponsorship? Let me speak to Ishveen. Um, and then the second is being able to like think about the ultimate payout. Sales is very quick, whereas partnerships is like, it's, it's almost like a little bit like a chess game. If I do this and you do this, then this happens, we can make good good something great together so one can you see the path and two can you actually help get it there mm-hmm. so you know i'm thinking we're talking to like obviously college schools we're talking to media partners um there's so there's so much opportunity for partnership in our industry because our supply is so unique mm-hmm. with athletes and agents um and then everyone wants the brands so yeah yeah interesting okay New, primarily New York based. I mean, East not Coast really. Based. East Eastern time zone, maybe we put Eastern it there. Time zone. There you are. Maybe Central time zone. Um, as a stretch. Yeah, I don't know. There you are. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're so excited to see you you grow and expand, and um, I'll make some intros after the podcast because. Now my brain's going like, ah. Uh, so anything else you'd like to share about open sponsorship or about your journey? Anything that you think others should know or can relate to? No, I mean, I think we covered a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, just, I mean, be strong and believe in yourself. And it, it will take time, but it will, it will happen. You yeah. will be recognized for your hard work. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we really appreciate your time and thank you for sharing your journey and we look forward to seeing your success and we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Brooks. So nice. You're welcome. All right. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Wild Feather. Be authentic, be limitless, and love yourself. Mm-hmm.